want you to just lift your hands and say it with us now. Praise, yeah. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this worship experience. Bless us as we worship even now. Speak afresh in this place. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will last forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. lift up passive scripture read in your hearing in John chapter 20. I'm going to read verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Somebody say, Thanks be to God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Disillusioned by doubt. Part two. Disillusioned by doubt. I'm struck by the fact that no matter how long you've been in relationship with God, no matter how well you know God, you can be struck, paralyzed, gripped, pulled under by doubt. Is it worth it? Is it real? Is my preaching in vain? Is my singing in vain? Clark's sister said, no, it's not all in vain. Because up the road is eternal gain. The fact that you've had an experience with God, the fact that you have felt something at some point, a quickening of the Holy Spirit, the love of Jesus, bringing you to an acceptance of God, does not exclude you from doubt. Doubt of people around you, doubt of preachers and teachers, doubt of whether God is real, Doubt of whether you can be healed. Doubt as to whether or not God even cares. 
There is no exclusionary rule. If, if one wanted to be honest about it, completely transparent, the one we sometimes refer to as Doubting Thomas had spent the bulk of his ministry life with Jesus, walking in person with him, talking to him every day, eating with him, watching miracles happen, seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, the lame walked, sermons preached from the mountain all the way into the valley. Watched him walk on water. Watched him calm a raging sea. And yet, after the gruesome picture of Calvary, He has doubt. And, and, and what bothers me the most is that sometimes you almost want to give up because you have a few doubts. It's not worth it. Why should I keep coming to church? Why should I give? Why should I be a part of that? It ain't nothing. A lot of them folks hypocrites. Truth is that if you stop letting the world define who's a Christian, you'll figure out that every real believer lives real lives. where sometimes they're good and sometimes they're... And the perfection you seek to see in them, you have not yet materialized in yourself. So I don't know why you're holding others to a higher standard than you hold yourself. You give yourself a break. It's interesting to me that here he is, a good man. He has been a good disciple. He was one of the ones who were given commission to go out and do ministry, and he did ministry. He even laid hands. He even saw God heal through his prayers. So he knew prayer worked. Does prayer work for him? Yet, yet, he has doubt. Because, let's be honest, when you have a vision of the way something should be and it doesn't match your reality, you can become disillusioned. You, don't, you didn't intend to become disillusioned. It's just that your facts and your faith were not completely in alignment. The facts were real and the faith seemed to wane. 
not a matter that you misinterpreted or you didn't see correctly or you didn't know what. No! They saw what they saw. They saw the one they were hoping to be king crucified. They were not thinking of a spiritual kingdom. How do we know this? They came and asked, Lord, when you get in your kingdom, can I sit on one side and my bro sit on the other? They were thinking the material world. There he is, a bleeding savior. There he is, ripped apart by human hands. There he is, a crown of thorns on his head. There he is, bleeding from his side. The reality is that with all they went through, there's no reason why any of us should ever look at them and talk or say a bad thing because you've been through less and have experienced as much doubt as he did. Here's the thing about Thomas. Thomas, you know, the, the other disciples were continue to gather, continue to encourage each other, continue to get together. They were hanging out. They were being part of one another. They were in the fellowship. But for whatever reason, Thomas said, I need some alone time. Went on his own journey. I don't know if he said it like they said in the hood, I'm out. Uh, deuces. I don't know what he said or if he said anything at all. If he just exited stage left. But when they caught up with him, nobody said, you a bad person, wicked. They said, hey, got news for you. We have seen the Lord. today we've seen him good news we've seen him and Thomas said that's good for you but unless I see him unless I see him I will not believe unless I see him and am able to know that it is him by seeing the nail prints in his hand. I ain't going with you. This, this is an important piece here because he wanted an ocular demonstration of the supreme manifestation of Christ. I want to see him. 
the ancestors, the old ones who now rest with the Lord. See, you used to sing that song, Oh, I Want to See Him. Look upon His face, dare to see forever of His saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Heirs of past, home at last, ever to rejoice. I want to see him. But despite his doubt and despite his disillusionment, in spite of all the facts, just because someone said we've seen him, he returned to the fellowship. He came back. I don't think he even thought he was going to see anything. But the fact of the matter is he came back. He returned. He went in the room with the rest of them. And I want to give you this. When you're disillusioned by doubt, you need to remember three things. Three things. You got to remember three things. I, I, you know, I, I should parse this by saying that there, there's no telling when it'll strike you when you go through something that'll have you disillusioned. So you probably want to hold these even if you're not in it this time, for the next time. The, the first thing, the first thing, the first thing you need to learn, number one, is the power in community. The power in community. See, see he was, when he was away from community, the doubt had no, nothing to abate it. It had nothing to help him. When he was away from community, he had no way of being strengthened. When he was away from community, he had no way from hearing from other people. Nobody could speak in his ear. They couldn't encourage each other. I don't care if you're in a foxhole. You don't want to be there by yourself. The reality is, is that you must realize that even though your spirit, even though all that's in you may tell you to retreat to your own place and by yourself to be alone, to get away from that phoniness, the foolishness, the lie, whatever it is, you have to realize, don't socially isolate. You need community. socially isolate. You know, American Psychological Association says evidence links perceived loneliness and social isolation with depression, poor sleep quality, impaired executive function, accelerated cognitive decline. Look, in community, we find ourselves able to hold one another, to keep one another, to remind each other that God is real. The Bible says the strong ought to bear the infirmity of the weak. 
Today I may be strong. Tomorrow may be you. Today I may hold you up. Tomorrow I may need you to hold me up. But that's what we do in community. We hold each other up. That each of us keeps our link in the chain of life and we allow God to hold us together. One of my favorite passages in Matthew 18 reminds us, and I think Elder Varner quoted it this morning. He says, if two of you, verse 19, shall agree in earth as touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done for them. For my Father, which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst to bless them. I'm in the midst of them. Something about rubbing shoulders with somebody praying. Something about being around somebody under the anointing. Something about two or three saints getting together and lifting each other up. Talking about the goodness of the Lord. There's power in the community. You can't find it nowhere else. It ain't happening at the club. It ain't happening at social work, social group. It ain't happening in the frat or sorority. Those are great places to be and to do. And I love them all. But in the community of the saints, when we are praying for each other, when we are holding each other up, there's power. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to Say it again. I need you. I need you. You need me. somebody and just said this time you are important to me you are important to me I need you to survive 
Look at somebody else and say it again. You are important. You are emotional thing. God restores. And, and okay. Number number two. Number two. I'm trying. I'm gonna try and get that. I'm, I will. The, the, the second thing you gotta learn is there's power in contentment. You know. Before Jesus showed up in their midst, they were gripped by fear and yet content because they were together. Well, how do I know they were gripped by fear? They knew that anybody associated with Jesus would be up for attack. They were afraid that they were being spied on. They're afraid people were searching for them. And the scripture is clear that when Jesus came in, the door was shut. And I think the inference here is that it was locked. They were trying to make sure they kept everyone out who wasn't a part of the fellowship, who wasn't going to be friendly to them. But they were content because they were all together. And this time, Thomas was with him. And something happens when Jesus shows up. Something happens. When Jesus spoke the words of peace over them, it set their feeble hearts at ease. He just walked in and, 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 and in modern way of using that vernacular, he would have said shalom. He, he walked in and, and spoke peace upon each of them. 
Now, that might not hit you just yet. But if you've ever been through something, if you've ever been standing by a hospital bed, if you've ever had to go and bury a loved one, when God speaks peace as you're about to lose your ever-loving mind, it just moves you from off of where you were to a whole new place. He just said peace. He said shalom to you. I speak peace over you. But it wouldn't have been the first time they heard it because they heard him when he spoke it on an angry sea. And I'm sure the echo from the roar of the sea was still in their ears. So when they heard him speak it, coming in a mystical way, through a wall, into a room, and hear him say peace, he, they knew this was him. This is his voice. This is different. God is here. And our contentment is complete because he's here. spoke to the wave and said, peace be still. I don't know about you, but take a moment and just lift your hands over your life and just, just say, God, I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your peace over my life. I thank you for your contentment. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I know what you're going through, and I don't know what you're going through. I know some of what you're dealing with, but right now, thank you, God, for your peace in the midst of it. Your peace in the midst of it. Your contentment in the midst of it. The facts didn't change. He still died. The facts didn't change, but God brought them peace and assurance in the midst of everything they were experiencing. The facts don't change, but thank you for your peace. Can't get by without it. Can't make it without it. I close with this. I close. This is heavy today. I just. And then there's this part here. Jesus says to him, out of all those standing there, Jesus looked at him and says, Thomas, come here. See my hands. Feel my side. And then he says something odd. When you do it, be not unbelieving. Can I help somebody here? Because no matter or not whether or not you will understand, you have to recognize you have a part to play in what God's getting ready to do next. No, you're not let off the hook by just looking. 
you gotta believe. And this is the power in certitude. Number three, the power in certitude. At some point, you gotta get your faith up. At some point, you gotta restore your faith in people and your faith in God. You gotta restore your faith that God loves you. Restore your faith that God is still working in the midst of it. At some point, you gotta believe that God is working it out for your good. At some point, you gotta recognize that God is on your side. What is certitude? Certitude is freedom from doubt, especially in matters of faith. That's the dictionary definition. It's freedom from doubt, especially in matters of faith. Your certitude is that I don't know what God is doing right now. And I don't know how God is going to work it out. And I don't know what God is going to say. But as I know, I have had an experience with God. And yes, God is real. There are some things I may not know. And there are some places I can't go. But as for me, I am sure of this one thing, that God is real, for I can feel him deep within. Yes, God is real. I've got power in my certitude. I serve a risen Savior. Come on and give God a praise. Come on, give him the praise. Come on, give him a praise. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word and for living God. Thank you for your anointing and your love. Thank you, God, for the power that is in you, the power of community, the power in contentment, the power in certitude. Help us, Lord, to experience the change in our lives, so much so that we walk by faith and not by sight. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to extend an invitation now. Maybe there's someone here or someone online. If you'd like to be a part of this fellowship today, I want to extend an invitation. I want you to know that we welcome you here now. If you're here, you can come down the front. Give your hand to the preacher, your heart to God. If you're online, call us, 860-443-6046, extension 110, or email us, and the email address is there. You can inbox us on Facebook and YouTube. 
we love you already. Change, I'm so glad he changed me. Yeah. 